World's Finest Podcast, Episode 82. I am James Doe, he is Michael David Sims, and we are not the evil egg people who stole your waffles. I will mark that note off, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I may have to rethink my note in the previous episode of WFP where I said that uh, I have no moped shapeshifter was the greatest line in all of Teen Titans. Yeah, seriously, you're the nasty egg people who stole all my waffles, I really think is the funniest line ever. (laughs) I really do, oh my god. <laughs> so how are you doing, sir? <laughs> well, better now. You know, I was, I was a little sleepy before, and now I'm a little more awake. <laughs> um, I should let everybody know why the last episode, episode 81, was a week late. Um, and that's uh, James and I, we recorded episode 81 the Tuesday before it was supposed to go up. So about 12 hours before I would like to have the show posted, basically, you know. Not leaving me a big window to record or to edit that episode. But I figured I'd get it up. Well, in the overnight between Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, I got about a half an hour of sleep if I was lucky because I had a major, major toothache. Um, So I ended up skipping work and going to the dentist. And I knew I had a cavity. I I, I knew that ahead of time. And the dentist was like, yeah, you need a root canal. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) So uh, by the time I got home, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, I was I was numbed up. She gave me some really good pain medicine for uh, for, for for the well for the pain, obviously. Yeah, that's why you take yeah. pain medicine. Yeah. Anyways, um, but by that point, I was just so depressed because of how much a root canal fucking cost. You know, and I was just like, ugh. You know, I'm, I I didn't sleep. This is gonna cost me an arm and a leg. I'm like, I don't feel like editing. And because I didn't edit it in time for Wednesday, other things had to be edited. You know, and there's just no time to get WFP done until a week later. So, yeah, I do apologize for it being a week late, but there it is. It, it is up. Um, and that also means, you know, we only got a couple of emails. Um, so we are actually going to save the email segment until the next episode, episode 83, where we'll have feedback for episodes 81 and 82. So, yes. Um, but anyways, let's let's turn it back to you. How are you doing? I've been better. <laughs> a couple of days after we recorded WFP... Uh, 81, I got a tattoo, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. my first one, as a Roman numeral four, and I'm sure a lot of you know what significance that holds to me. So, But the last couple days, I've gotten a lot of bad news on in terms of repair work that needs to be done on various things that I own, such yeah. as my house and yeah. my car. Oh. Let, me, yeah. let me paint this scenario for you. My ceiling has been has my basement ceiling that is has had water leaking into it from upstairs and find out it's my shower it's there's a leak in it. Well, I get a plumber over here. He cuts a hole in the ceiling to see what's going on up in there. We find a bucket full of water up in the ceiling. <laughs> so uh. the guy who owned the house before me apparently knew that there was a leak and instead of getting the leak fixed, he decided to just Redo the sheetrock where mold had been growing there, 
and put a bucket in there to catch water. And then just patch the ceiling up. Wow. Fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, that's what we call a lawsuit. Yes, it is. Big time, big time. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, if he says, I'm not going to pay for that, your lawyer is going to be like, yeah, you are paying for that, buddy. (laughs) And then my car, my car needs all kinds of work on it. It Uh, still runs. It's nothing like, like, in terms of the engine, transmission, shit like that, it's just exterior stuff. The window, one of the window motors is shot, and, one of, and like, the, the weather stripping is coming off of the windshield. Oh. It's just like, god damn it, can I not catch a fucking break? No, no, you can't. <laughs> you have your root canal, I have my house, my thousands of dollars worth of house and car repairs. Life is wonderful! Tracking device. Very sneaky. Looks like the Hive's secret headquarters isn't so secret anymore. So, what are we waiting for? We need to know what they're planning first. Otherwise, we can walk right into a trap. Do I hear an undercover assignment coming on? Lucky for you guys, I happen to be a master of disguise. (laughs) Yeah, Green Mongoose is gonna blend right in. Sorry, Beast Boy. I was thinking of someone with a slightly better disguise. (sighs) What are you going to do? Dress Cyborg up like a washing machine? That isn't me. That's my fully robotic replacement. Not nearly as charming, but he can bench press a bus. He still has a few bugs to work out. No fair! I may be all green, but he's half metal. How come he gets to go? Because I have a new talk. <gasps> a holographic generator! Dude, you look... Unplugged. Nice work. If I didn't know better, I'd think you were just normal. Uh, thanks. First up today is Deception. This one starts with the Hive. They're back, and I guess they're robbing a a Federal Reserve Bank. And uh, they do manage to get away despite the Titans being there, but Robin puts a tracer on Jinx. And at the tower, they decide, you know, let's go undercover to find out what the Hive is really planning here. And we find out Cyborg has made an exact duplicate of himself to, I guess, to keep from drawing attention to the Titans. Um... And he either creates or obtains some holographic projector rings that make him look fully human. And he sneaks into the school, and immediately he's greeted rather rudely by Gizmo, Jinx, and Mammoth. So he uses the holographic rings to make himself look like he turns into solid rock, and he goes by the name of Stone. Um, And he destroys their lunch table, and shit happens, and they end up... Saying, "All right, yeah, let's see how well you do in the in the uh, training course." Uh, so they all go down to the training course, and uh, Cyborg struggles at first, but then he really takes over and just owns the obstacle course and saves Jinx and her comrades from their own little problems inside the course. And Cyborg really impresses the headmaster, whose name is Brother Blood, and Blood is. He, you know, congratulates Cyborg, or, you know, Stone at the time, and yells at the others for failing. 
So, as time goes on, eventually Cyborg gains the trust of the other students, and uh, but before he can relay th- to the Titans information on Brother Blood's real plan, uh, Blood confronts him and says, look, I know who you are, and I can offer you what you truly want, your fully human form. This scene ends at this point, and it seems like he's brainwashing Cyborg, and the Titans and the duplicate Cyborg uh, infiltrate uh, the Hive to save Cyborg, but they're trapped in the obstacle course when they get there. The Hive members and Cyborg uh, attack the Titans at full strength, and Robin's like, what the hell are you doing? Lay, like, go easy on us, man. And Because uh, he still thinks that Cyborg is just, you know, playing with them to kind of fool Brother Blood. Beast Boy finally gets the Cyborg duplicate to work. <laughs> At, you know, after saying booyah about 60 billion times. <laughs> and uh, it, it actually starts holding its own against uh, its creator, but then Cyborg uh, just destroys it pretty brutally. And uh, the Titans, who have now been trapped by Brother Blood, are they're really scared to death now because they they think that Cyborg has, has completely turned on them and is going to join the Hive. So Brother Blood gives Cyborg an ion something or another i can't remember what it's called and but it basically it amplifies his powers just a hundredfold and he prepares to blast the titans uh under blood's influence but then he goes psych and he Mm -hmm. shoots it at at blood who narrowly deflects it and it ends up hitting the ceiling and it destroys the entire building and uh blood swears vengeance and all this and that and they all go home and uh cyborg explains that because he's half robot, Blood's brainwashing couldn't fully control him, and it's you know it seems like Cyborg is content with being well uh, a cyborg. What are you thinking, sir? I think that for the most part, this is a perfectly average episode. But what brings it a point or two above that um, is they actually do spend a little time um, letting you get into Cyborg's head. Um, you know, when we first see him, um, not when we first see him, but when he's in his bedroom in front of the mirror in the uh, stone persona, not with the stone skin, but, you know, when he's just, you know, looks like he used to look before he became cyborg, he's sitting there flexing and whatnot, and uh, Starfire comes in and they talk. And he, I think he says there that for, you know, he for uh, like he briefly forgot that that's, that he doesn't look like that anymore, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, the word normal is thrown around a couple times in this episode, and Star, you know, Starfire kind of looks at him like, you're, you're my buddy, this is normal for, for, for me, you know, you this this way as Cyborg. Um, but you, you know Cyborg's really sad that, that he doesn't look like a, you know, quote-unquote normal human being. And then once he gets to the school and he starts to be accepted, you know, he, he starts to like it, even though he's being accepted by villains. And though he doesn't reciprocate, he does like the fact that Jinx has a crush on him. And then when he destroys his cyborg robot, you know what that's supposed to s- symbolize. It's, it's him fighting against that, that side of him. You know, what, what he's become. He hates it, and it's coming out there. Uh, yeah, he was, you know... You know, after it's revealed that he is Cyborg and not this guy named Stone, you know, he does, you know, continue to play along. But in that one moment when he was beating up that robot, when everybody still thought he was Stone, no, that was that was a real emotion coming through. And then again, the end scene with Cyborg and Starfire in in his bedroom, 
just just sort of talking about you know what's normal and what's not. Um, it's it's all that those little bits of emotion that they put in there. And the whole thing, the other thing I forgot is is they reveal that Cyborg didn't graduate high school because of whatever ailment he suffered that made him a cyborg. You know, um, and that's why he kind of got into the groove of doing the homework at the academy mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's again just all those little things. You know, bring it up. If those weren't in there, eh, this would be like a five. You know, right in the middle. But yeah, those definitely bring it up a point or two. What are you thinking? I agree with everything you just said, and I'll add that what I noticed most about this episode, besides the fact that this is by far the best cyborg episode yet, yeah, this is some of the best animation that we have seen yet. Very, okay. very crisp. The character models were all spot on, very well defined. The action was really, really well animated. It was very, very impressive. I guess, and I think a lot of the uh, the episodes we're talking about today have pretty good animation too. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they went with a different company to do their animation or whatnot, but very very good stuff. Uh, I I love I love this episode. I could watch this anytime. Mm-hmm. I, I love the the interactions between Gizmo and Cyborg, yeah. and Jinx and Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like Teen Titans nine hundred two one zero. Basically. And I think they do a really good job of pacing this episode out. You know, um, I, th- you know, there's that, there's that kind of montage of Cyborg integrating himself with that, that trio there. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was paced out really well. It wasn't rushed. It didn't take too long. It was just the right length to make you believe that, he did really become friends with them over the course of however many days or weeks he was there. Um, so, yeah, I, I really did appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of interactions between Cyborg and Gizmo, I swear to God, it sounds like Gizmo says the word slut faces at one yes, point. Yes, yes. I, I, yes, I didn't remember what the second part of it was, but I thought I too thought I remember him hearing, he, remember hearing him say slut something or other. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what the word was supposed to be because everything he says is like Yosemite Sam for the twenty first century. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think maybe he's saying slit faces or something. But it's yeah, he says something very questionable. Maybe, it was, maybe sludge faces. I don't know. Maybe that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. But you you are right. You are right. Yeah. What do you think of Brother Blood so far? I mean, I know we only get him for make, make two minutes, but yeah, because um, I think he is going to be the big bad villain of this season. Yeah, he pops up, I think only one more time, in the in the season finale, right? I see. I don't know. I, I, oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's the 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 bad villain, the big the big bad villain of this season. But okay, I know, well, and I know he's in the finale. But yeah, he, yeah, he is in the season finale. Um, but I don't know if he pops up before then, um, after this episode, before the finale. But regardless, you know, yeah, we don't get a lot of him here, but. He's no Slade. Let me say that. But I think he's a decent enough villain so far. Um, but I do wish we could have got a little more of him, a little more of his machinations. Um, I would have liked to have seen him actually con- try to convince Cyborg to join him without using his mind control or whatever he has. Yeah. Um, actually using psychology and not some whatever hypnosis shit he's doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's, he's better than serviceable. I'll say that. What about you? 
Yeah, I I pretty much agree. I I really really wish they had put more of him in here, but in the by the same token, I could understand why they didn't. I think yeah. they're just kind of teasing him uh-huh. and show, just giving you a taste of because he apparently has some very awesome powers because he deflected that hundred times strength cyborg beam yeah. with his hand. So and then he can you know he's got the hypnosis and God yeah. knows what else he can do. Yeah. Well, have so, you seen the finale, the season finale? I have, it's, but okay. I don't remember anything about it. Okay. It's been uh-huh. so long since I've seen it. I won't say too much about it then, so. Um, now, I have a question here. There's one point where Beast Boy turns into a starfish and attaches himself to Robo Cyborg's face. Was that supposed to be a reference to Starro? Oh, I don't know. He was just trying to keep the robot quiet, right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, because that's when it was doing booyah, booyah type thing, <laughs> right, when they broke into the Academy. Um, but, yeah, I saw it, and I, I I, mean, it being a DC cartoon, I couldn't help but think it might have been, you know, a little nod. It very well could have been. And, um, oh, but spe- speaking of the, the cyborg duplicate, that mm-hmm. I loved every scene that Beast Boy was in just trying to make him do funny shit. Yeah. And all the Titans are looking at him like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how many times is Cyborg wearing or about to wear a dress in this episode? The uh, Cyborg robot, Beast Boy dolls him up. Mm-hmm. Then Cyborg has to... They give, you know, the, the Hive... Uh, uh, make him go through, what's it called, a hazing. Mm-hmm. I think in a tutu and the unicycle. And then at the end, I think all the Titans, except Star, are high, are holding dresses and, and a rubber chicken, if I remember correctly, that Cyborg <laughs> has to wear to be reinitiated back into their little team. <laughs> they like, really hmm. want to make him a cross-dresser. Yeah, what are they saying about Cyborg? Hmm. <laughs> RuPaul Stone. <laughs> yes. And, you know, speaking of Stone, you know, it should be mentioned that Cyborg's real name is Victor Stone. Right. So that's where they got the idea for calling him Stone and then the idea for that power, too. Um, let's see. What else do I have written here? Oh, has uh, Raven teleported them thus far? Or is this the first time? Uh, I don't remember her teleporting. Yeah, I don't remember that either. Before this. Yeah. That um, might have been the first time. Yeah, maybe herself, but I don't remember her doing other people. Someone do write in and let us know. Um, and I think the last note I have about this is just a question. There's a scene where Beast Boy turns into a dinosaur and he tries to bite Gizmo, right? Mm-hmm. What if he actually bites him? He he did. <laughs> yeah, but Beast Boy's a vegetarian. Hmm. Maybe he's just trying to wound him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, as a giant dinosaur. <laughs> a velociraptor, whatever the hell he was. Yeah, but it was one of those things where we've seen him do the dino thing, I don't even know how many times at this point, and it finally dawned on me, I'm like, wait, he's a vegetarian, he can't actually bite them. <laughs> ah, hey, Star, ow, that hurts. Then you are not a hologram? No. The last time we faced the Red X, he was you in disguise, and you were not really there. Starfire, cut it out! He is not a hologram. He could still be a robot. Check him for batteries. Wait, please! It wasn't me! I promise! Next up is X. In this one, it starts out, uh, actually... 
the Titans are chasing a figure who uh, we, we don't see him at first. He's in shadow. And uh, Robin's narrating saying, you know, there's good and there is evil. There's no shades of gray. There, there's It's just those are the two sides of the coin. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just continuing this line of thought. And uh, when it's revealed who they're chasing, everybody is shocked when it turns out to be Red X. Uh, they they go to fight him, but Red X just hands the Titans their asses. Um, after he gets away, um, <laughs> the Titans, they especially Starfire, uh, they don't believe that that isn't Robin in the suit once again. They think it's a hologram once more. Um, and Robin's like, look guys, it's really not me. I screwed up last time. I know I was wrong when I did that, but I'm, I'm not going to do that again. I almost lost all of you as my friends and teammates. Um, uh, at some point Robin checks the vault where he kept the red X suit. The door's been torn off its hinge. The suit is gone. All the weapons are gone. And, uh, so he, he talks to the Titans and they're all like, well, let's track him. You know, where's he going to go? And, uh. Robin's like, well, you know, he needs Zenothium to power the suit. And everybody but Beast Boy is like, oh my god, that's terrible! And uh, so, for the, you know, to Beast Boy and thus the audience, they explain what Zenothium is. And it's basically a very unstable, very dangerous power source. Um, so they're like, well, we, we have to, you know, we have to figure out where he's going to go. And Robin's like, no, 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 I know where he's going to go. I, I know where he's going to get it. And they're all like, well... Okay, where's that? And Robin's like, well, it's where I got it when I made the damn suit. So Robin, he goes and visits uh, Professor Chang. And uh, Chang's like, you know, I, I don't, you know, deal with this stuff anymore. But I know where you can probably get some. So Chang tells him where to go. Um, Robin and Red X have another confrontation while Red X is trying to steal the Xenothium. Um, they both get knocked out. I think the Titans are there, too. Yes, the Titans are there. Uh, they get captured. The both Robin and Red X get knocked out by Chang and his goons, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, when they wake up, Robin actually imprisons, uh, I almost said Chang, excuse me, Red X, um, in the room where the Xenothium is kept. And Robin tells him, he's like, look, you know, I don't have time to take you to the police right now. Um, you know, he's like, I have to go save my friends. I'm a hero. You're a villain, blah, blah, blah. And Red X is like, I'm not a villain. I'm just the thief who wants to have fun. I'm not trying to destroy your city or fuck up your shit. I just, I just want to have fun, man. Um, and Robin's like, well, whatever. You're not a good guy. You know, you're going to jail when I'm done with this. So Robin goes to face Chang, who, you know, is at his, he's turned, you know, he's at an observatory. So he's turned a telescope into a giant cannon. Cause I guess that's what you do. And, uh, you know, he wants to, like, destroy the city. And uh, Robin shows up and, uh, you know, he tells Chang, you know, stop, stop, stop. And Chang's like, oh, I know. How about instead of destroying the, the city, I shoot your pretty little friend. Mm. And Starfire's all like, oh, no. So uh, Robin starts beating Chang up, but it, it's not doing a whole hell of a lot of good. He's, this gun's just firing all over the place. Uh, Red X show up, shows up um, and actually teams up with Robin for a little bit. Um, and they take Chang down. And uh, let's see, at the end of the day, Robin's like, you know, thank you for helping me, but, you know, this doesn't necessarily make a square. This doesn't make you a hero at this point. And Red X is like, whatever, I don't care, I'm out of here. And Robin's like, well, you can't leave without your belt. And uh, he's like, oh, shit, you got my belt. And Red X is like, ah, whatever, see you later, kid. And he just, uh, I think he has one rod still, doesn't he? Uh, uh, yeah, he has one yeah, rod and he yeah. throws yeah. it, causes mm -hmm. the explosion, which allows him to jump off. 
the side of the observatory and he just disappears into the mist. Um, and the episode ends with Robin putting the Red X belt, if I remember correctly, back into uh, storage. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sort of changed his narration about there being good and evil. I think he starts talking about there being shades of gray or something. Um, let's see. I think that does this one okay. So what were you thinking? Uh, I love the action. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I don't know. The MacGuffin shit really annoys me because I don't think we ever do find out who was in the X suit. In no, the X. Red X comes back one more time in the one with, I think, Ding Dong Daddy. Yeah, with the the suitcase. The race, yeah. X is in there just fucking with Robin. That's all he's doing. He's not being a bad guy. He's just fucking with Robin. Mm-hmm. And they, no, that's it. Maybe in the comics, the tie-in comics, they reveal it, but never here, no. I don't know, because I know this character was created specifically for the show. So, I, I fuck, I don't know. But uh, I, I do love the character of Professor Chang because it's such a clear allusion to Hannibal Chu from Blade Runner. Oh, okay, okay. And both and both characters were played by James Hong. So, mm. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can put this on in the background a lot just because it's got a ton of great action, great fight scenes between Robin and Red X. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really not as deep as I think they wanted it to be with all the narration and shit. Yeah, this is one before the series finished that I held in a slightly higher regard because I thought they were going to reveal before the series was over who Red X was. Mm-hmm. And then when they, so this was sort of like that first, you know, the big first, like, oh my God, someone's got the suit. Who is this? You know? So I thought this was like the first step towards this, you know, couple of season arc they were going to be doing. And then when they never did it, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of lame. So, yeah. in a weird way, it brought this one down just a little. Maybe I shouldn't hold, you know, the mystery, the unresolved mystery against this episode, but I'm sorry, I kind of do. Um, but that said, you know, I, I, I like it. I love uh, Starfire's reaction to Robin when she's trying to see if he's real and she's just poking him to see if he's a hologram. Yeah. Um, I love Cyborg putting on the glove because he's going to give Robin a rectal exam <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> to check him for batteries, so to speak. To make mm-hmm. sure he's not a robot. Uh, nice little callback to the previous episode with the cyborg robot. Yeah. Um, uh, overall, I just love Red X's cockiness. I love Beast Boy's uh, list of theories on the board. Yes. Um, let's see. What, what's some of the stuff that's on there? We've got uh, Nightwing is mentioned. Larry is mentioned. Jason Todd is mm-hmm. on there. Um, yep. And he settles on what? A cyborg monkey with Robin's DNA, right? Yeah, and the Titans just look at him like, dude. And then, yeah. of course, Raven does what she does by beating the crap out of him. Yeah. Um, so I love that stuff. We're going to come back to the board in just a minute. But I think the thing I like most of all is Red X's theme music. It has a very Spanish, Western kind of vibe to it. Um, and I was wondering if they were going for maybe like a Zorro type thing. Very, very likely. Yeah. Um, I, I got to tell you, speaking of of that of the music mm-hmm. uh, the the music that happens when red x shows up at the observatory had the, a very asian flair to it i thought it was kind of like a john woo movie okay i'll have to watch it again to to see if i pick up on that okay now l- do you mind going back to the to the beast boys board for a second oh not at all <laughs> okay now like i forgot what was on the board i remembered nightwing was on there i remembered jason todd was on there um so even before I saw the board, I, I started writing down like my own theories, like who Red X might be. 
knowing that we never get it revealed. And one of the things, the very first one I wrote down, and I was shocked to see it on the board, was Larry. I really think Red X is Larry come back just fucking with Robin. Not to be mean, just to have fun. Because he says, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing my thing, whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe he thinks he's the only person who could pose a challenge to Robin. I don't know. I, I honestly think if it's Larry, again, he's one, doing it to have fun, but two, he's trying to make Robin a better hero. You know, I mean, if Robin can take down a guy in this ultra-powerful suit while being mind-fucked with, while having his friends start to doubt him again, that's going to make Robin a stronger person. Yep. And Larry would want to see his hero overcome that. So I honestly think it's Larry. <laughs> but uh, do you have any theories who Red X might be? Uh, not a clue. In okay. fact, I, I wonder why his his voice was that of Scott Menville in yeah. just like the robotic kind of sounding techno mm. voice. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, was there a voice box inside the mask? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And if that's the case, then why would he make it of his own voice when he was talking to Slade about posing a par- uh, proposing a partnership? Right. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, another idea I had is that it's a time-traveling dick. That <laughs> sounded bad. <laughs> Anyways, it's a time-traveling dick, Grayson... You know, it's Robin just a few years removed, like maybe before he becomes Nightwing and he's going back to make himself a better hero. And the reason I kind of, again, I'm still leaning towards Larry, but just because I love Larry. But the reason I'm not against this idea is because there's a couple of points where Red X calls Robin kid, such as better luck next time kid. So mm-hmm. it's to me, it, it almost makes me think that let's say Robin is 16. This is like a 19 or 20 year old Dick Grayson calling his younger version, his younger self, kid. Yeah. Again, I, we don't know. We don't know the answer, at least in continuity. May, again, maybe in the comics it's revealed. I don't know. But I, I just, like I said, I just wanted to toss a few theories out there and see if you had any. Yeah. I wish I did. Um, I actually did write down one more that, you know, okay, Slade. If sure. Somehow Why it's not? the spirit of Slade. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what made me think that was when Robin and X team up in the observatory, and it reminds me of when Robin and Slade team up um, in the end. Yeah, you know um, when they're when they're going down to hell to save uh, the, the 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 baby Raven or the toddler right. Raven, and they're they're matching move for move. Right. Um, and that this is a lot like that. So I don't know. I don't know. Just a whole bunch of theories. If anybody else out there has any theories or if they know if it was revealed in the comics, again, write in and let us know. Yeah. I I think my only other note here is what was with the dove flying by when X and Robin teamed up? Yeah. It was again, just out of nowhere. Yeah. Again, I think that goes to the music that was playing. It's sort of having that Spanish Western type vibe. Oh, that was when the Asian kind of music. Oh, was, was it the Asian? Stuff. Okay, okay. Like, again, I never picked up on the Asian music. But I figure it was probably, you know, some sort of weird nod to, you know, again, for me, Western movies, because you were hearing an Asian flair, maybe some sort of Asian action movie. I don't know. <laughs> maybe John Woo. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that, I, I don't know if that's kind of a thing in his movies or not. Maybe. <laughs> Somebody write in and let me know. Yeah. Just, it's been a long time since I've seen a John Woo movie. So. Um, I have two more notes. One is, um, you know, yeah, the narration, it is at the beginning and end, it is it is a little heavy-handed. It's not as deep 
it's heavy-handed, but not as deep as they wanted it to be, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, but I liked it all the same because I thought it felt very Batman-ish. Yeah. In the I mean, beginning. It, it's like there is black and there is white. There is no such thing as gray. Um, and again, just reminding us who raised this young man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was, and this building, I noticed it pops up a couple of times in later episodes, but uh, especially ones we're going to be talking about today. But this is the first time I ever noticed it, especially the way it was uh, filmed. When, okay, Cyborg's just been knocked out, and Robin is on top of that one building. Beast Boy flies up up there, and he's like, oh, I bet you're regretting not destroying, or maybe he says creating the Red X suit now. And I think Robin just sort of looks at him. That building, if you look at it, it's shaped like a gun. Huh. The, the Okay, that the, obviously the main structure, the actual building itself, would be the uh, the barrel. Um, there's a ledge that comes out like the front sight on a gun. And there's a couple of points where you can see there's like, uh, uh, down at the bottom, there's like a, I don't know, like an addition. That's not quite the right word, an extension maybe of the building that looks like the, uh, what's the, I I don't know guns. What's the thing where you put the bullets into in a revolver? The chamber or, that, or the the holster? I'm mean, not the holster. The, the, uh, you know what I'm talking about. The thing the that spins that make, well, if it's a six shooter though. You know, whatever that thing is called, that is there. And it very much looks like a gun. There's no handle, obviously, but I don't know why they shaped that building like that. But it's a really cool design, though. But if if they weren't trying to make it look like a gun, then that's a really weird coincidence. My groom? But he is... I cannot. You can and you will. You see, sister dear, this darling creature is the exalted sclerch of the swamp moons of Drenthax Four. And since his invasion army is parked outside our castle, I arranged your marriage to save our beloved Tamaran from annihilation. If your groom can't kiss his bride, we can all kiss Tamaran goodbye. Next up is Betrothed. In this one, Starfire is moving all of her stuff out of the tower, and the Titans are like, uh, going somewhere? Mm-hmm. like, yeah, uh, going back to Tamaran, and you're taking all your stuff. Why? Oh, because I'm getting married. <laughs> <laughs> so the Titans' collective jaws hit the floor, and uh, after the titles sequence we see the titans going off into space and starfire says she doesn't know who her betrothed is it's an arranged marriage and uh suddenly they're attacked by a lot of uh, spaceships and they go through kind of a reverse power rangers zord fusion (laughs) thing to to separate and take them on and this still doesn't work so they somehow manage to I guess form back into the Megazord uh, <laughs> and, and somehow get all the ships to destroy themselves. It was really wonky. But um, when they finally get to Tamaran, they uh, they meet a very large gentleman named Galfor, who says in essence that he was Starfire's nanny. And uh, the Titans are very confused by Tamaranian culture, and eventually it's it's shown that the grand ruler of Tamaran, who's arranged this marriage, is Blackfire. Oh. <laughs> and she's forcing Starfire to marry some green blob thing named Glurdle Skletch. <laughs> and she says, I mean, this thing is, literally, this thing is just like a, a green pile of mucus tentacle creature thing yeah. that farts. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, Blackfire says that the groom's invasion force is pretty much ready to annihilate Tamran if she doesn't marry him. So... 
Starfire has no choice. She agrees to. And uh, the Titans go spying. And Cyborg and Beast Boy find out that there is no invasion force. Uh, the, the ships are all empty. They just have little robot, like, Star Wars-looking bots controlling them. <laughs> and uh, they're captured, though. And Raven finds out that Glirtle Skletch is just making a deal with Blackfire to get some Starfire ass. <laughs> and, uh, and in exchange, Blackfire is getting this jewel that amplifies her powers tenfold or something. And uh, she, But she's captured by... Blackfire. Uh, the, I I don't know what happens. They all I think they all get imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Like Robin, Robin goes to see Starfire to try and convince her to not do this because it's not it's something just isn't right about it. Obviously, and uh, but he's captured and it's like I guess they're all thrown in a cell, but then they're not because I I don't remember really what happens there because it's weird. They just decide to go crash the wedding. And, they're yeah, they isn't. they do show them breaking out, but the breakout isn't given much time. So it's sort of a blink and you miss it type thing. And you're like, wait, how are they at the wedding if they were imprisoned? But yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they do. They crash the wedding. They tell Starfire, look, it's all a lie. Blackfire just is being a bitch. And uh, so Starfire's like, I challenge you for the throne. <laughs> and uh, they have a pretty pretty hardcore fight if i must say so myself but uh starfire just simply can't hurt blackfire because of that jewel that she has so starfire grabs the jewel and rips it off of her chest and crushes it and then just lays into blackfire one starbolt after another just 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 annihilating her basically (laughs) so she's defeated and starfire is the new ruler of tamaran and the titans all are really depressed now because now they think, well, there's no way in hell she's coming back to Earth now. And uh, in the next scene, she says, look, I I only did this because Blackfire was not what was right for Tamaran, and I'm not right for Tamaran either. So she gives the Scarlet Witch crown to uh, Galfor, and he is now the new ruler of Tamaran. So the Titans return home on the note that Starfire thinks that she'll have a groom on Earth one day. Yes. Gee, wonder whom that might be. <laughs> what do you think, sir? Um, I only wrote down one note for this one because I found myself really enjoying it. I was watching it to watch it, not watching to review it. Um, but it's weird, like, thinking back to it now, I'm, it's not a bad episode, but I don't know why I was enjoying it as much as I did. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> um... I mean, it's interesting seeing the Titans go off-world, seeing Starfire's home planet. I like the fact that Blackfire's been brought back and that Starfire kicked the shit out of her. Um, I like the seeing all of Robin's jealousy, because previously mm-hmm. we've seen uh, Starfire's jealousy. Yeah. In the, uh, uh, what was that one called? The one with Killer Moth. Date with Destiny. Yeah. Um, and now here, Robin... He's like, you're getting married? You're getting married? He just keeps yelling it. <laughs> um, just the height of incredulousness right. or incredulity. Yeah. You know, so it was cool seeing him get jealous. Um, uh, you know, I, but yeah, I, I gave this one kind of a higher score, I'm going to admit now, and I'm not entirely sure why I gave it such a high score. Um, but l- 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 let me ask you this just real quick. No, mm-hmm. you know what? I'll ask the question later. What were you thinking about this one? 
I don't have a grade for this one. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't know what to think about it. Yeah. But I have I do have several notes. The uh there are a bunch of illusions here. Um there the scene where Robin is yelling it through the window at uh-huh. Starfire clear reference to the graduate right. with Dustin Hoffman. Um the landing pad that the T ship lands on in Tamron is clearly modeled after the one in Empire Strikes Back in Cloud City. Where the Falcon lands, right? Right. And what else? Uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet, where Robin's climbing the balcony to see Starfire. Oh, yeah. very, very obviously Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Well, I, I kind of mentioned it in the uh, the summary, the Scarlet Witch crown. That was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly the same design. <laughs> yeah. It has to be a Scarlet Witch, uh, I don't know, homage or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but another thing within DCAU continuity, the wedding scene and the way it's done really reminded me of uh, Maid of Honor with Princess Audrey, and when oh. where Wonder Woman is fighting, where, where oh, Wonder yeah. Woman and Batman are fighting while the organ music is playing and the wedding is going on. It's right, yeah, exactly the same style. I knew that was familiar, and I almost wrote that down as a note, like nice juxtaposition of music and ceremony and fighting. But then I'm like, wait, that sounds. Didn't I write that note before for something else? But I couldn't remember what. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no prob. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this one. Yeah. I just don't have a grade. I'm going to have to come up with one <laughs> before the before we end up giving them. Yeah. Uh, um, I really like seeing Starfire's Torment, too. You know, she doesn't want to leave Earth, but she has to do what's right because by her culture. And then when she gets there, she finds out why she's doing it. You know, to save her people. It's not just a cultural thing. If she's going to go through with it, then she decides not to. And she has to beat up her sister. And she briefly maybe thinks that she has to stay to be queen or empress or whatever. Then she gives that up to go be on her new home, her adopted home here on Earth. You know, there's a good character arc for Starfire here. Um, and that, that I, don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. That really works in its favor, I got to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I felt like I cut you off a second ago. What were you gonna say? Um, I I was just gonna ask why Galfor called her called Starfire Starfire. I mean, that's her adopted Earth name. You should have called her Coriander. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. Yeah. It was a little weird that they were speaking English. Yeah. And not uh, Tamaranian or whatever their language may be. Yeah, called. that would be it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, did they all, did every Tamaranian travel to Earth and kiss an Earthling and fly back? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> They're all a bunch of whores. <laughs> now, I have a question, though. We hmm. find out that Starfire is a princess. We find out that she's second line to the throne mm-hmm. behind Blackfire. Blackfire says, hey, I came back. You know, they're like, she's like, why aren't you in jail? Starfire is. And Blackfire's like, yeah, I got bored of that, and then I came back, and I took the planet by force. Okay, so she's now the Empress. Does that mean she killed her parents? Where where are their mother and father? Because um, something's up with that. Yeah. you know. And if, if What's-His-Face raised her, did their parents die when they were young? That, you know what I, I'm saying? That, that must be it. But, the I, I mean, it can't be going by the regular DC canon because in that Blackfire and her parents were killed in an explosion. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. If, if Starfire is second in line to the throne, 
that wouldn't that mean Blackfire is already the Empress? You would think. So that doesn't make much sense. Her being, you know, Starfire then being surprised that Blackfire <laughs> is, unless she meant it thinking that Blackfire were still in jail and one of her own parents were still on the throne, but then she should have been like, you killed our parents, I hate you, you know? Yeah. And we don't get any of that. It's it's a little... No matter which way you look at it, it's it's wonky. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, are we putting a little too much thought into it? Sure, but I kind of wanted to see Starfire's parents. And especially once we find out that she is royalty. Like, where are they? No stinking way. I'm not fixing that overgrown bucket of robo-scrunge, and there's nothing you grot slippers could ever do or say to make me say it. Go! I'll help. Ew! Your friend is thrashed. What kind of sludge-sniffing idiot gets himself infected with the end zone virus? You had some help. Can you fix him? Of course I can fix him. But I gotta shrink down to microscopic size, go in, and hit the virus where it lives. Yeah, good idea. Next up is Crash. In this one, it turns out that Beast Boy is an internet pirate and has <laughs> downloaded a beta or early release version of a game called Mega Monkeys 4. And uh, this game, you know, it's so system intensive that he can't play it on his system, on his, uh, what are their, what's their video game systems called? The game... Not the GameCube, the, the, the Game Station. Game Station the or game something station. like that. Yeah, it won't play it, because again, it's a bootleg. Um, or it's just too system intensive, whatever. Uh, he can't play it on the Titan's mainframe. Um, so he then goes, ooh, I know where I can play it. And he's going to play it on Cyborg's own computer. He forces it into what he thinks is a drive. It turns out it's not. It's actually where Cyborg keeps, what, his, like, backup files or something? What's what his was system it? recharger. System recharger, yeah. So Cyborg comes in, he's like, Beast Boy, what are you doing in here? I don't care, I gotta charge. I gotta charge up, you know. So he goes to charge up, and when he does it, he's like, rah, 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 goes all wonky, and um, it turns out he's got a virus. So um, he just starts walking around trying to eat everything, you know. Remember those old Bugs Bunny cartoons where someone was so hungry they would see Bugs as like, well, not Bugs, but like maybe Elmer Fudd as a steak. Yeah. Or something like that. Well, Cyborg, you know, he sees the couch as, what is it, pancakes. Uh, he sees Robin as a steak. Later on, he sees uh, three of the Titans as eggs, hence James's line from earlier <laughs> about the, the nasty egg people who stole all my waffles. Um, <laughs> so, the, the, you know, the Titans are like, they're, they, kept, they keep rightfully getting on Beast Boy's ass. You know, they're, they're very mad at him because he's the one that caused this. And they're like, you know, there's a problem. The only one that knows how to fix Cyborg is Cyborg. And, well, he done fucked up. Or he is done fucked up. Um, <laughs> so Robin's like, I hate to say it, but there is one other person. So they go and pay Gizmo a visit, who has also tried to download this game. And uh, they they quickly bring him back to the tower. And they're like, look, um, you know, you're going to shrink down. Or no, you're going to find a way to fix our buddy. And he's like, they're like... Uh, well, he's like, fuck you, I'm not gonna, I don't even like the guy. He starts to walk away. Raven, we don't even see what she does. It's just sort of in shadow. Scares, kind of a Beetlejuice thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scares the shit out of Gizmo. And he's like, 
I'll help. <laughs> so he shrinks down and uh, he goes into Cyborg's body. Um, or he tries to go into Cyborg's body, but before, right before he can do so, uh, the, side, uh, the virus-infected Cyborg gets up, starts running amok. Uh, Robin uses this gun thing to, to shoot Gizmo into Cyborg's body, but instead of shooting him into the brain where the virus is uh, originating, it turns out he shot him into Cyborg's butt. So again, Cyborg's running through town, causing amok, trying to eat everything, um, and the Titans quickly realize that Beast Boy's missing, and uh, he's actually tagged along with Gizmo. Um, so Gizmo and Beast Boy, Beast Boy is, uh, what's he, what, what is he, an, an amoeba? An amoeba, yeah. Yeah, um, they're, they're going along, try, you know, fighting off little viruses along the way, trying to find the, the you know, the, the, the main central virus, um, and, um, out in the real world, the Titans notice that when Cyborg grabs anything that has a computer, um, there's like this weird pink energy that flows out of his hands, and then the thing quickly explodes, and, uh, he's basically sending the virus out into the rest of the world, causing catastrophic problems. Cyborg sees a giant satellite dish, satellite dish pardon me, as a Sunday, if I remember correctly, yeah. and uh, he wants to go eat the cherry on top. That's one big cherry! <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and Robin's like, we have to stop him, because if he touches that satellite, this virus is going to infect everything within a 100-mile radius. So that's what they have to do. Uh, uh, Beast Boy and Gizmo, they get to the, the cyborg's brain. Uh, Gizmo is, by the virus, is rendered not a threat and is sort of chased off. Uh, Beast Boy as the amoeba is also, uh, you know, noted to be nothing, to no, no threat at all. But Beast Boy, um, he's like, no, I'm going to save my friend. And, uh, as an, you know, he's like, I may not be the smartest person in the world, but I know how to multiply. And so he just creates like millions of little Beast Boy amoebas that just flush the virus out of Cyborg's system. Uh, once they come out, uh, it looks like Cyborg might be dead, might be deactivated, but uh, he quickly reboots. And um, that's pretty much where this one ends. I mean, the Titans go back to the tower, you know, uh, with Beast Boy, you know, kind of a, you know, I guess he sort of maybe kind of apologizes, I guess. And uh, Starfire's like, I know he's not our friend, but where's the nasty little boy, Gizmo? And we cut back to some sludge that's still on the uh, satellite dish, and Gizmo, still in his miniaturized form, is in the sludge, uh, being chased by the a couple of little viruses that followed him out when Cyborg sneezed him out. Um, I think that does this one, right? Yeah. Okay, what were you thinking? Funny? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really, really funny? Yeah. <laughs> I just... This, I don't have a lot of uh, deep notes for this one. This is another one of those ones where it's just like uh, goofy notes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Raven showed Gizmo to scare the <laughs> shit out of him, but that was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I already mentioned nasty egg people, and you did too, so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another note crossed off. Yeah. Here's, I think, my big question, though. How do white blood cells flow through cyborg circuitry? Yeah, that was a little weird. And we only see them the once, too. Well, maybe twice. They don't really come back after that, though, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he is a cyborg. I mean, hence his name. So maybe somehow his organic blood helps fuel his cybernetic parts? I, I don't know. I really don't know. That was a little weird. 
you you could kind of maybe justify it because there's a virus, maybe his body's screwing up a little and some white blood cells, a cluster of them got into his uh, mechanical parts. Perhaps. You know, just through some little chamber where that normally they wouldn't go through. I mean, that's the only way I could wrap my head around justifying it. Yeah. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say my only other note, really, if you count an amoeba as an animal, which it really isn't, but uh, this is the first and maybe the only time that Beast Boy talks while in animal form. Ooh, ooh, let's think about that. That may be true, isn't it? Yeah. I, he has not talked in animal form yet. I don't know if it's some kind of unwritten rule in the series or yeah. what, but, but yeah, he definitely hasn't spoken while huh. while in animal form yet to date. Nice catch there. Yeah, I never picked up on that. I mean, but again, an amoeba isn't an animal, though. So right, eh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking he might have done like parrot speak as a parrot, but that doesn't necessarily count, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's even me just guessing he might have done that. So, yeah, I really think you're right here. Um, now, earlier, I brought up, and there was a reason I brought it up, um, Raven's ability to teleport herself and the team. Mm-hmm. If she can do that, why doesn't she teleport Cyborg the fuck away from the satellite dish? Yeah. You know, that was... Again, you know, I'm not going to say it's it's going to bring it down a point, but it's one of those things where I was, like, slapping my head going, yeah, like, they should have never shown her teleporting them until after this episode. Because it is going to get people thinking that. Like, why doesn't she do that? Where if she doesn't do it until after this episode, then it's sort of like, oh, she just learned a new trick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was that was a wee bit bothersome. <laughs> yeah, it is. She could just fold them into her into her cloak, leave them there for a while, and, and let that be that. Teleport them into a desert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, some people might point out the fact that somehow in his virus-infected state, Cyborg was clearly giving all of them trouble. Like, the Star Bolts weren't really affecting him. I think he did somehow disrupt Raven's power, so maybe that's why she didn't do it, but... That's just bullshit to begin with, because how is Cyborg disrupting her powers? You could see she's having trouble keeping him in, like, one of her, like, little black bubbles. Yeah. It's like, I don't even understand how he's giving her any trouble there, but whatever. Robin! Uh, since when is Robin into mime? Slade! <gasps> What are you doing here? You're supposed to be finding the generators. I don't think there are any generators, man. We looked everywhere. Slade must be cloaking them, just like he's cloaking himself. That's why you couldn't see him. But if I could not see him, why could you? What are you trying to say? Robin, are you sure you really saw Slade? Saw him? I fought him! You think I did this to myself? Dude, this is the only way out, and we are standing here the whole time. No one got past us. No one was in here but us. I don't have time for this. I have to find those generators. There are no generators. There is no Slade. I know what I saw! I have to stop him. I'm the only one who can. And I'll take down anyone who gets in my way! Next up is Haunted. In this one, Robin is up really late, sifting through Slade memorabilia, and uh, Cyborg 
uh, walks in and tells him, look, dude, he's gone. And Robin, of course, being Batman Jr. that he is, can't be sure because Slade was never apprehended or even found. And the alarm sound, cinder blocks on a rampage somewhere. Well, during the fight, Robin gets flung into a forest where he sees, standing right before him, Slade. And Slade taunts him and reveals that he's put three seismic generators around the city and that they'll trigger a cataclysmic earthquake if you don't get to them within three hours. And Robin tells this to the Titans when they arrive, but Cyborg is uh, still skeptical about this. So they end up, they go off looking for these generators, but they find absolutely nothing in every location. And Robin is pissed off as usual and he sees Slade again and he tries to fight him, but to absolutely no avail. He can't land a single punch on him. So Slade runs off, uh, and Robin tells Starfire, stop him, stop him, but she can't see him. And he apparently runs right by her. Robin runs up to Starfire, just grabs her arm, screams at her, like, how could you let him get away? And he actually hurts her, and she's pleading with Robin, there was nobody there. So... Later, uh, Starfire tells the Titans that Robin went off on his own, as he does, and uh, they go after him, and Robin is at Slade's old hideout, and he nearly gets crushed to death trying to get to Slade. And eventually, the Titans do reach Robin, but he's bruised up really badly since Slade has apparently been kicking the shit out of him during this whole time, and uh, their arrival also apparently somehow allowed Slade to get away, so Robin just utterly infuriated he he's about ready to attack his teammates and starfire blasts him from behind knocking him out and next we see that robin's been taken to the infirmary and strapped down for his own safety and uh suddenly slade appears in the infirmary with a very very nasty looking knife (laughs) and uh we go back up to the main hall and the titans are talking about how slade He can't be there because the scanners and the radar and all this other stuff would have captured his presence there somehow. Suddenly, Robin's heart rate goes off the charts, and he apparently flatlines, and the Titans all go down to the infirmary, and they see he hasn't died. He's just missing. Uh, Robin apparently activated some kind of security measure, and the Titans can't leave the room that they're stuck in. But Raven meditates and sends her soul self into Robin's mind to see what Robin sees through his own eyes. And she tries to convince him, look, nobody's there. But then all of a sudden, Slade kicks Robin right in the face, and it knocks Raven clear out of his mind. And you know, she felt the kick, too. And she, she's like, look, I don't know if Slade is real, but Robin thinks he is. So we better get to him quickly because his heart can't take this much longer. Slade kicks Robin around some more and uh, Starfire has enough. She just rips the floor out from underneath them to get to the basement where they're, where apparently they are. And Robin, Robin is almost dead at this point. And finally something Slade says clues him in. Slade only appears to Robin when he's in the dark. And so he's like, you aren't real. So he turns the lights on and Slade disappears. And, you know, he's figured out Slade never was there at all. And, Starfire gets down to the basement and catches Robin as he collapses from the the utter exhaustion. And later, uh, Cyborg says that dust that was on the mask earlier, because I I should have noted earlier, when at the very beginning scene, Robin coughs because some dust from the mask uh, gets onto his face. And 
He says the dust was actually a chemical agent that entered Robin's nervous system and made him think Slade was there. It was basically Slade's last hurrah. And But the censors say, you know, you're okay now, dude. Later, though, Cyborg walks into the room where Starfire and Raven are talking. He says, uh, guys, the mask didn't activate from Robin touching it. It was remote triggered from somewhere outside the tower. And the last thing we see is down in the evidence room, the mask's eye glows. Yes. This is one intense fucking episode. Uh, this is the best episode so far. I might even suggest the best episode of the entire series. Hmm. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I can I can certainly respect that opinion. <laughs> I mean, to use your word, it's so intense. Robin just loses his mind in this one. Um, and just watching that downfall of him, you know, um, as you said, as he starts to get to the point where he's ready to take down his own team... Because he believes, he knows in his heart that Slade still, Slade, excuse me, is still alive. Um, it just really gets you into Robin's noggin there. Um, the way it's written, you really don't know what's going on until really like the last few minutes of the episode. I mean, you may have your suspicions that Slade really isn't there. But they come up with various ways to explain why no one else can see him. Slade mentions a cloaking device, you know, Mm -hmm. that he may be wearing. Um, When Raven gets into his head, you know, they're like, oh, so he is there. And she's like, well, maybe, but at the very least, Robin believes he is, you know. Um, And then we start seeing when Slade's coming down the stairs and the lights are going on and off. It was very Fight Club, the way that was done. This whole episode, especially like th- those scenes there, yeah, it was just all around. I-, I honestly do not see a single flaw in this episode. And again, because of the intensity, the way and the and the way it was was acted, especially on uh, who does Robin's voice? Uh, uh, Scott Menville. Okay, I knew you said earlier, but I couldn't remember. Pardon. Just the intensity he put into that voice, just the the anger and the passion and the frustration that no one believes him, no one else can see. Slade, no one else can stop Slade. It's just, it's really great acting. This is just beyond awesome. Uh, now, you obviously like this one, because you did call it intense, but you said you don't necessarily agree with my statement that it's the best so far, if not the best of all time. Uh, so, you know, what are you thinking about this one, and uh, maybe what keeps it from being the best for you? Um, well, it's because I think the end uh, is probably the best in this entire series or in the entire Teen Titans series. I also think that the second episode of Apprentice is way up there. So I think it's hard to say, hard to really just let that one go by the wayside. Hmm. The second episode of, uh, what was the, uh, the final Terra episode, the two parter. Oh, okay. Um, that one is pretty fucking intense, but I do agree with you. This episode is fucking phenomenal. It is amazing. And I really want to think that Slade's little dust there was something he stole from Scarecrow. Like he oh. somehow stole Scarecrow's chemical, fear chemical. Um, Can't work if this is before BTAS. Mm, that's true. Unless Shit. he stole a prototype, an early version of the chemical. Hmm. <laughs> Again, this is just, I want to think. Right, so. yeah. 
not yeah. saying it actually happened. Just it would be really yeah, cool if that's... that was if it was somehow that was how it happened. Yeah, because they just call it a reagent, so it's some sort of chemical. It's not those nanites or whatever again, right? Um, so yeah, maybe he created his own fear toxin. Maybe he did hook up with Crane, who was working on an early version of it. Who knows? Who knows? You know, maybe he hired Crane, Professor Crane, to create the formula, and that gave Crane the idea to splinter off and do it on his own, thus becoming Scarecrow in Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Ah, there we I go. Like the way you, I like the way you think, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is another one of those episodes where I didn't take many notes because I was just sitting back and just absorbing it all. Yeah. yeah. Because, god damn, I mean, Robin is, like, within inches of death. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and if, I, if, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the Flying Graysons were in silhouette and when yep. Ra- when Raven entered Robin's mind. Yeah, and we see the, the ceremony, mm-hmm. the candlelight ceremony, when Batman uh, makes him take the vow to become Robin. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, again, more proof that this is Dick Grayson and no other uh, Robin. I do, see. I don't want it to think that I uh, that I'm down on this episode because I'm oh, probably no. going to grade it the same as you. Okay. <laughs> I got to tell you, okay. I just it's not like it's not my favorite as it is for you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of the wrote one of the wrotes I noted down. One of the <laughs> notes I wrote down was that uh, I, I honestly think this is the best Slate episode. And when you really think about it, it's it's not even Slate at all. You know, no, it's it's, it's, it's Robin's paranoia. And his intensity, his fear, his yeah, fear. His fear of Slade, <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> um, coming to, well, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, no pun intended, haunt him. I mean, and it, I mean, it's Slade's doing, but it's not, Slade's not there, so that's what I'm saying about it. But it's still, again, in my opinion, the best Slade episode. And when you really start thinking about how, the, you know, what's going on in here, this is how Robin sees Slade. For me, this is the scariest Slade so far, and that shows you how afraid Robin is of this guy. Yeah. And how Robin believes that he can't take him down. You know, he he's not able to lay uh, any sort of, you know, he, he's not able to hurt the guy. Does he even land a single punch or kick on him? Not in this, not in this episode. Yeah, no. I didn't think he did. I mean, they, they really couldn't have him do it, all things considered. Um, but that shows you that Robin, even though he has taken Slate on one-on-one and held his own, in his mind, he doesn't think he can. Oh, it should be noted that in the beginning, Robin's viewing um, all two of the three places, maybe it is all three, but two of the three places where Slade has attacked them before. And that, of course, later on is where the so-called bombs have been placed. Mm-hmm. The carnival where Beast Boy and Tara had their date. The... Um, I forget what it is. It's like that. It's it's that building with the with the where they fought thunder and lightning. Where it looked like Ray, it, or Starfire got the, hurt. The park wasn't it? Yeah, it was a park, right? But there's like a building background, and then the bridge. I don't remember Slade ever facing them on a bridge. Well, in, that was again a thunder and lightning thing. Yeah, but they Slade fought. wasn't there though. That's the only. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, that's a Slade episode. But these first Slade episodes... No, not the first Slade episode. Slade was in the first episode, wasn't he? Yeah, well, that was the first one where Slade actually confronted... Right, yeah. ...one of the Titans, that being Robin, of course. Right, yeah, so maybe that's why the bridge was there. But I thought that was a neat little nod that these were all places that the Titans had faced him. Or at least people that he had under his command at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just led to 
the clues, you know, it's just more clues later on that this is all in Robin's head. Because Robin well, sees them, and then that's where he thinks all the bombs are. Yeah, well, and another thing that and I I praise the animators for doing this, the rain splashes on Robin, but not on Slade. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay, cool. The last note I have here is, you know, they never come back to this in terms of who triggered the mask. Right, not yep. the mask, but the dust. And because the eye glows red, I wonder if we're supposed to like put two and two together and think it's Trigon or Slade using Trigon's powers. You know, which we'd find hmm. out he has next season. Who knows? He could already be having made that deal with Trigon, and he's just testing out the powers on his own. It's dark magic. You've been teaching me dark magic. Is it dark, or is it simply misunderstood? Like you. True. The spells I've taught you are very powerful. There are those who fear power, so they call it dark. But for people like us, such distinctions do not exist. Without these spells, we can never truly be together. Enchanted pages or no, I'm still trapped within this book. And you're still alone. Is that what you want, Raven? To be alone? No. My sweet raven, it's time. The incantation, just as I taught you. Hesverac et Moranae, Gostwenthin verbis nex, Ind obrium bis pendulae, Paransic cortis rex! wasn't the wizard. He was a... No! And last up is Spellbound. In this one, Raven's trying to read a book. It's, you know, sword and sorcery type thing about this uh, gallant hero taking down a a, a wicked dragon. And she goes out with the Titans. And uh, they end up fighting some robotic cyborg... I was going to say cyborgian. That's why I kind of stopped suddenly there. Pardon. Some, (laughs) Some weird robotic heart thing called cardiac if i remember yeah. and uh she's Looks like a miniature version of the dark heart <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly thank you for bringing that up um she takes it down quickly uh but a couple of the pieces are actually able to get away none of the titans notice this though uh but raven's like can we just go home now because she wants to get back into her book um again people keep interrupting her and uh eventually um at one point, Beast Boy tries to, I think, just talk to her, just have fun with her. And he starts yelling at her through the door. And he's like, look, you're always hanging out in your room, and it's really creepy. Just come out and play, you know? Be be one of the team. And uh, uh, let's see. At some point, the book starts talking to her. The hero of the book, Malkior, he's all like, oh, I'm trapped in the book. The dragon's curse trapped me here. Help me get out, and I understand you, and you're beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And Raven's all like, okay, swoon. So she uh, she's, she talks to the book for a few days and uh, sort of helps him get out. Uh, but when he comes out, the, the, the pages kind of wrap around nothingness, creating some sort of like mummy-type creature. Um, 
this Melchior in his mummy form, he ends up teaching Raven some more spells uh, because they're going to try to lift the curse to get him out of the book. And uh, Raven and the team, they go back out and they have to fight Cardiac again. And she tries a new spell. It's not, uh, what is it? It's not Metreon. What is it? Azeroth Metreon's That's it. Yeah, it's not that one. It's something else. And uh, it turns out she can't control it. Uh, the Titans are able to stop her. Uh, and uh, dis- uh, destroy or apprehend or whatever Cardiac, including the little girl that he had, for some reason, abducted, because Cardiac keeps going after kids. That's never explained, and it's really fucking creepy. Uh, she goes back to Melchior and is all like, that was dark magic you taught me. And he's like, is it dark magic, or is it just misunderstood? Like you. Oh, this guy's such a manipulative jerk. So <laughs> Raven's all like, oh my god, you're awesome. So they, she, she, she's able to finally get him, uh, finally learn a spell that will get him out of the book. And uh, when she does that, she quickly realizes that Melchior is not the hero. It was actually the dragon. The dragon changed the text in the book. And she's been duped this whole time. Oh, no. So the dragon gets out. It beats the shit out of Raven. It flies through the, titan, the roof of the Titan's Tower. Uh, the Titans give chase. They're not doing very well against it. But uh, Raven comes out, and uh, she she casts a few spells. It's not doing very good. And uh, the dragon grabs her, and he's all like, ha, 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 you're a loser. And I tricked you. <laughs> and you smell funny. So like, she's like, okay, maybe I can't beat you with my spells, but guess what I learned today? I learned a curse. Um, so the, the, the curse, I guess, that uh, the, the spell that freed him, I guess, recurses him or something. I don't know. And he's sent back into the book. Uh, she puts the book away. Um, it should be noted that throughout a good portion of this episode, she's actually wearing her white raven costume. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, uh, it it's it's neat because we see that her costume is actually aff- affected by her emotions. Um, it, it Right on screen, it goes from white to the bluish, blackish, violet, whatever it is, uh, outfit that she wears. And the episode ends with uh, her in her room and Beast Boy knocks on the door and he's like, I'm sorry you got hurt. And she's like, you know, I know it was fake that he was lying to me, but still, uh, or made me feel, what, normal or not creepy or something like that. And Beast Boy starts to say something. And she's like, look, don't don't say I'm not creepy. He's like, okay, you are creepy, but whatever, you're still our friend. Come on out. So she actually comes out and hugs BB to his surprise. Uh, and then Cyborg has earlier, Cyborg and BB were trying to get her to play a game called Stank Ball, and which is just a bunch of dirty old stanky socks all balled up. And uh, BB gets hit in the head, and uh, Raven actually picks it up, gets this evil grin on her face. And we cut away, and we just hear Cyborg saying, Oh, no, you don't! And then she obviously throws the ball of socks at him. Um, mm-hmm. and that's that's this one. So, what are you thinking? I like this episode. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's got. So many awesome illusions. Uh, the way Malkior gains strength from Raven confiding in him is, like, virtually identical to how Voldemort uh, gains strength from Ginny in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I've never read the book, so I can't say. I'll trust your. I'll trust what you're saying, though, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Everything he does is, like, taken straight from, from that Harry Potter book. Oh, okay. Um, the... Black Dragon is clearly a nod to Maleficent mm-hmm. in Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ramanomicon is obvious play on Necronomicon. Yeah, yeah. I want to say the Book of Nord is an illusion too, but I haven't the foggiest idea of what uh, it could be. Yeah. Um, Malkior's name is another spelling of Melchior, one of the three wise men from the 
biblical tales. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. Um, and when Raven says, you taught me spells, but I just learned a curse, I think that's an allusion to The Tempest by Shakespeare. Okay. Because in there, Pros- Prospero, uh, is, who's also, uh, wields powerful magic, speaks to his slave, and he's like, he demands gratitude for teaching him how to speak, and Caliban, Caliban the slave, says, you taught me language, and my profit on it is I know how to curse. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. So, I think that's probably what it was going for there. Yeah. But, I have a question. Why can't Beast Boy turn into a dragon? <laughs> he can turn into alien animals, so why not mythical ones? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Good thought. <laughs> I don't know. What, do you, what were you thinking about this one? No, I definitely like this one, and I think this is another one that was using the female characters to get a message across. You know, Raven at one point says, he lied to me and I gave him what he wanted. Like, yeah. seriously, think about that line for a second. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, she she sleeps with the book that first night that it's revealed that uh, there's someone trapped in there. Um, she asks him slash the book, will you be here in the morning? Basically saying you're not going to cut and run after you get what you want, you know? I mean, this episode's about, at least the way I see it, is a very mature episode about, you know, young girls, their sexuality and you know, how they can fall for the wrong guy if the wrong guy just says the right words in their ear, spoken softly, you know, because yep. that's exactly what happens to her. He's constantly calling her beautiful and pretty and my raven, and he's totally using her, yep. you know. So let this be a lesson to all you young ladies out there, all you adult ladies out there, too. You know, don't don't fall for, for those guys. Um, and, if, and if any of our male listeners are those guys, you're douchebags. Don't do that shit. That's fucked up. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but anyways, anyways, um, no, because that, that element, at least I see it as being there again, I, I, I like it, you know, cause I think that is going to go over the heads of kids, but, uh, you know, anybody who's a little older, like the children's parents, they're going to, they're going to get that. It's, it's one of those that can be appreciated on multiple levels. Um, that said, it's not the best episode, you know, I mean, Raven falling in love with a guy from a book that turned out to be a dragon. It's 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 a little wonky, but it's you know it's it's again it's it's definitely a solid episode all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was really really awesome to finally have a serious Beast Boy and Raven moment. Yeah, yeah, quite true, quite true. I mean, it's it's been like what two and a half seasons in the making now. Yeah, yeah. Finally, <laughs> it, it is it real and it delivered. It was really mm-hmm. touching. Yeah. Just just little things in this one. I don't know if you noticed, but throughout the entire montage of Melchior teaching Raven this, the spells, um, her costume is lightning. Lightning? Light, light, lightning in color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes from the really dark to it just starts fading until we finally get her in the white. I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, maybe I was seeing things, but I thought there were a tragedy and comedy masks with Trigon eyes in her room. I think there are. Yeah, but I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure there are. If it wasn't Trigon eyes, it might have been eyebrows. Just really weird eyebrows. I didn't go back to double check, um, but I thought that was a nice little touch, especially if they were Trigon eyes. I have to think they were because the co- uh, comedy and tragedy masks don't have eyebrows on them. That's true. That is true. Okay, what what are Robin's throwing things called? Birdarangs, I guess. That's what we'll call them. Is this the first time he's turned them into swords? 
Uh, no, he had a sword before made out of the bird ranks, but I don't remember which episode it was. Yep. It was season one, I think. Okay, that's why I was asking. I know he does it in the end when they go to hell, or he goes to hell with Slade. He did it here, and I thought this was the first, but the more I thought about it, I think he might have done it in um, Forces of Nature. That might... Or, uh, yo, that is it. Is because, it? Yeah. Okay, like, when does he do it in there, though? When he's fighting the, the Slade in costume, or...? I'm... Uh, ooh, I don't know about that because I don't think Robin ever gets a weapon out in that fight because okay. I think really Slade is just kind of toying with him there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, but I'm pretty sure that is the episode. Yeah, I don't know why that one's sticking in my head in regards to th- that little thing, but for some reason it is. Um, let's see now. Now, now, two things I wasn't crazy about with this episode, though. Okay, mm-hmm. one is I felt at the end Raven's model was really off. Um, something about her face and her body in general. And it wasn't just her being in the white costume, because we've seen that before, and she's been animated just fine. But something about it here just wasn't really working, uh, design-wise, for me. Um, And the other thing is, okay, I get that this dragon is a big, bad dude, but, again, she's a demon. (laughs) Like, okay, I'm not saying she should easily be able to wipe the guy out, but I think she should have an easier time holding her own against him with her demonic powers. Maybe she doesn't want to let loose because she is afraid of those powers. I don't know. But it's like, really? I, I don't know. I have a feeling that your demon form is probably as strong as his dragon form. Just saying. Uh, but anyways, what else do you want to say about this one? I guess I'll just say I really felt bad for Raven. Yeah, you at really the end. do, don't you? Going off what you said, we've all known somebody in our lives who lied and took advantage of us, even if it was in some trivial way, mm-hmm. not yeah. in such a, a serious way, like becoming a magical demon <laughs> dragon thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how they get the message across, but the message is still definitely there. So should we get to our scores then? Uh, sure. Okay. Where did we start? Deception. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Like I said, it's the first really, really good cyborg episode. I also give that a seven X slightly lower, but still a, a good episode. I give it a six. I'm giving that one a seven. Okay, betrothed. <laughs> All right, I guess I'm going to give it a six. <laughs> Just, I don't know if that's a cop-out grade or what, but I I could watch it again. Yeah, I wrote down an eight for that one, and the entire time we were talking it through, in my head, I'm like, why did I give this an eight? Why did I give it an eight? I'm going to give it the same grade you did, a six. Um, okay, Crash. Uh, another six. It, it's funny enough, and it, I, it's above average, I guess. <laughs> okay, I also give that a six. Haunted. Ten. Oh, no, yeah. no question about it. It's it's an amazing, amazing episode. Absolutely. As I said, this is, I think, the best Slate episode, and at least thus far, I think it's the best episode. As we go forward, I'll see if another one is, is better than this, but I don't remember any single episode being better than this. Because I don't think it's fair to judge this against, like, the two or three-parters. Because those have extra time to either succeed or fail. You know what I'm saying? So I am just trying to judge this against single episodes. Uh, And so, Spellbound. I had this as a seven, but you you brought up the uh, whole thing about, you know, teenage girls being taken advantage of and how that really gets this message across. I bumped up to an eight. Yeah, you know, I'm tempted to do the same. I'm going to give it a seven for now, but I may come back to this one. Take it easy, cyborg. It's us. We're here to take you home. You remember who we are, yes? 
You're the nasty egg people who stole all my waffles. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. earth-the-number2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss six more episodes of Teen Titans. Those being Revolution, Wavelength, The Beast Within, Can I Keep Him, Bunny Raven, or How to Make a Titanimal Disappear, and Titans East. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 